Hello, listener. Welcome to episode four of ADR, that is Area de Rigori, your weekly dose of all things culture, all things Syria. I am Danish Iqbal. I'm joined by Maxi. Maxi, what? Maxi Angelo. That's right. We are the uh, Syria podcast for breakingthelines.com. Go ahead and check out all the articles on there. How are you, Max? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, just back from work. Uh, very exciting night of Champions League football. Uh, Napoli run riots against Liverpool at uh, the Maradona. Hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that. We'll we'll talk about some some other things as well. But it seems like we've been talking about Napoli quite a bit recently. Um, it it felt like one of those nights where they were due to have a. You know, one of those those teams that sort of is on the periphery of being good to a lot of people and then gets really good in the mainstream or like has a performance in the Champions League where people sit up and take notice, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I, I I, I'm not sure if I if I um, explain that in the best way possible, but yeah. <laughs> no, but I think I know what you mean. <laughs> like it, it was hipster to like Napoli before and now it's not. Yeah. Um, but certainly lots and lots to go through today. Um, we'll kick you off with the scores. So Fiorentina Juve was 1-1 on Saturday. Milan Derby on Saturday was 3-2 to AC Milan. Lazio won Napoli 2 shortly after. They got their scheduling spot on on that Saturday, didn't they? Yeah. Was God a, damn. Super Saturday. And then they hit you with the, the classic Cremonese nil, Sassuolo nil on the Sunday. <laughs> Spezia 2, Bologna 2. Uh, Verona 2, Sampdori 1, Udinese 4, Roma 0, Monza 0, Atalanta 2, uh, Atalanta top. I think oh, they've only dropped two points against Milan. Salernitana 2, Empoli 2, and then Torino beat Lecce 1 0 to finish off the uh, games. There's three games on Monday. I did not know that, actually. Bologna beat, fire, beat Monza by firing their, their manager at first. Yeah. What? Sorry, explain that. Yeah, I, I was sure that uh, that Monza were going to fire their manager first of all the Serie A teams, but uh, Bologna fired uh, Zinisa Mihailovic today. Was yeah, just... I saw that. Well, was that not by mutual consent? I thought. No, no, it was uh, because of poor results. Right. Okay. Just because I thought maybe with his illness and everything, they had mutually decided. Look, it's not gonna. Oh, may- maybe it was something like that. But uh, on their website, they talked about uh, the the results being poor. Yeah, no, it was win. It's been, it's been a winless start. They've got some very good players, um, Bologna. Yeah, uh, but they've, they've also they've lost always... some uh, uh, very important players this summer, like Matthias. Yeah, Wolf, Aaron Hickey, Arthur Theat. Aaron Hickey. Yeah. Aaron Hickey. Aaron Hickey, yeah. We're about to lose Arnautovic to United. Aaron Hickey. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's it's going to be interesting to see what goes on there because um, I think there's been a lot of people that have said that they could have played much better in in like. But but this is the problem with football now, modern football anyway. Everybody wants to play um, like a progressive possession pace and everybody wants their team to be fun and win at the same time and score lots of goals, if you know what I mean. Yeah. That's not the reality. Um, but 
No, of course not. But let's let's see what happens. Um, with <laughs> you, know, you know what? I, I want to add something there. Go on. E- everyone wants your team to do that, except Max Allegri. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone who watches Allegri is just shocked at the fact that this occurs. And then Max comes on uh, into an interview after and says, "Yes, yeah, so what?" But okay. <laughs> yeah. Or something along those lines. He'll come up with some ludicrous quote. Um, We'll talk plenty. We'll talk uh, Fiorentina Juve. We're going to talk some Milan Derby. We're going to talk some Lazio Napoli. But I think because it's appropriate, why don't we start off with um, the Champions League fixtures have happened Tuesday and Wednesday. The uh, Italian teams have played. Milan drew 1-1. Against Salzburg. Yes, they did. Juve lost 2-1. Against Paris Saint-Germain. And tonight, Napoli beat... Liverpool. Yeah, you were synchronised perfectly there. I, yeah. I wondered if you <laughs> catched on. But Napoli mauled Liverpool for one. Um, that's the game that's just, just, just happened. Let's talk very, very quickly about that. Yeah, it could have been... Uh, it could have been six or seven. Yeah. It could have been six or seven. Um, everybody, including Kovashkelia, in particular, was terrific for Napoli tonight. Yeah, uh, I thought that Piotr Zielinski was fantastic too. I thought Zielinski was fantastic. Um, was surprised that they, that Osimhen took the second penalty off of him and then didn't score. Has Osimhen done that before? I feel like I've watched Osimhen miss penalties before. Uh, I I don't have any facts on it, but I think I've seen that as well. Uh, I feel like he's he's missed a penalty or two before. It might just be me. Anyway, it didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things because they mauled Liverpool. Like, they just absolutely mauled Liverpool. It was brutal. It was. It could have been much worse. It yeah. could have been much, much worse. Um, there's been lots of talks of Kovac Kelia. There's been lots of talks of uh, Osiman, obviously. But I quickly want to talk about the pivot of Napoli and Guisa and Labocca. And Guisa absolutely ran things uh, tonight. Um, we've been saying it for so long, or I have anyway. <laughs> um, it's like the perfect combination in that pivot of Lobotka and Gisa, one man who basically breaks through the press, is the conductor from deep, and Gisa who can ball carry, uh, also defend at the same time, but put, put fires out and then join in the attack. Um, we're going to talk again about the Lazio game from the weekend, but Napoli looked particularly dangerous in that game in the second half when Anguissa decided to join the attack and accelerate more forward, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I also think that we we need to give a shout-out to Sielinski as well because he's, shout orchest- out. He, yeah, he's orchestrating that, that attack so well. Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, we've said it like a hundred times, I think. But they lost Koulibaly, they lost Insignia, they lost Mertens, but they've become an incredibly fun team to watch in in that in that rebuild in, in such a short amount of time. I think the like the peaks you've seen of them this season so far are higher than the peaks they had last season. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's gonna be times as well though when, when it drops off and but they luckily have a Victor Osiman who creates something out of just nothing. He'll run into the channels. He'll bustle defenders away. Um, I tweeted it earlier, but th- this was not a good game for an out-of-form Virgil van Dijk to play against this attack tonight. No. In in transition, it was mainly in transition. So Liverpool would go on attack. It would either break down or 
um, Napoli would quell it. So maybe Anguissa or Akim would break it up and then pass out from the back. And then from there, they were just away every single time. It was like a three-on-three pretty often. Liverpool's uh, midfield was more or less non-existent. Um, and Napoli's midfield manhandled them. Um, yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> we we talk about Van Dijk, then we haven't even talked about Joe Gomez. That's probably one of the worst performances I've seen from from a Liverpool player under Klopp. They he he lost the ball often because Kavashkelia and Osiman just hounded him whilst he had the ball. Yeah, but, I so mean, when, whenever of he course, was... yeah, but he also he was so naive on the ball, like have just. I don't know how to explain it, but he was naive. He thought he had upper hand all the time, but he never did. Yeah, but but that's that's what I was saying in in terms of they hounded him well enough so that they just stole the ball off of him. Yeah, uh, a few times. So in in terms of like if he was going to pass it back to Allison or pass it out, um, Kavash Kelly or Zelinski would be on him straight away. But I think. Liverpool really suffering from Matip not being in there. And strangely enough, I, I couldn't tell whether it was because of the game state was already 3-0, um, but the changes that they made, they did look a little better in the second half, just a little though. Not, nothing to shout about. Yeah, and I mean, it sounds like a bad excuse, but I, I also feel like this Liverpool team is suffering from fatigue. I mean, if you, if you no, they look like the replay... They they barely they barely jog back. They they're so tired they even like in the first half. Yeah, yeah. The, the the Klopp's words ring absolutely true now when he said we're gonna need to continue our preseason into the season. He he said he said this in the summer as well. He said physically we're not ready at all. We're nowhere near where we need to be. Yeah. Um. So there's there's big problems abound for Liverpool. Uh, quick word on any of the other Italian teams in the Champions League. Anything else? Yeah, I thought Milan kind of had a hangover from the derby. Um, mm. I mean, Salzburg's a good team. They've shown that before they beat Bayern Munich uh, last last season. But uh, I think this Milan team should have won. Uh, but they looked. They should also have. Be tired. It took it took time for them to get into it. Yeah. Um, but it, it feels like it feels like a lot of games. It, it's taking Milan times to time to get into it. They they kind of need a wake up call. I've I've not I've not seen a game this year yet. Perhaps maybe the first one, but I don't think that counts. Where they've just started like a house on fire. They were doing that a lot last season, where they blitz you in the first five or ten minutes. Yeah, I agree. Um, but they they eventually came into the game, and and then, it, I mean, Liao hits the post in the basically the last kick of the game, so it could have been a win. But yeah, margins. Yeah, one point and um, onwards and upwards. Quick word on: Did did you watch Juventus PSG? I did. Um, what did you think? I mean, it was quite clear. I think, that... I think they could have got a point. 
I think so too, yeah, but it was quite got a point. clear that the individual quality at the PSG were a lot better than at Juventus because that's basically what they won from. It was, but the game became very strange in like the last 30 minutes where Juve were like, hold on, we can actually get a point here. But <laughs> yeah. the, pace of the, the pace of the game was so slow and they had many situations away that Rabiot had it or Leandro Paredes, by the way, looks a great signing. He was playing passes through the lines, passing uh, quite a large distance, just finding Juve players. They would get it in attacking situations and then just sort of not know what to do after. Yeah, it, um, we're going to talk about it uh, br- briefly a bit later, but uh, it, it was like that against Fiorentina in the yeah. as well, uh, at least in the first half, because in the second half, Juve basically collapsed. But in the first half, he... he Broke lines and uh, recycled the ball. Um, it's, it feels like that kind of controlling midfielder which Juve has been lacking. Which, which they needed and they're going to need because Pogba's injured till at least January, is yeah. what Allegri's saying. Yeah, he um, tried some kind of conservative treatment, but it didn't work. He trained, I think it was Monday and Tuesday this week, but couldn't continue so eventually they had to make uh, have the surgery anyway so he had his surgery on Tuesday if I'm not mistaken and now he will be out yeah I like they said to January but I think he he hopes to be back for the World Cup but I I don't see it happening and there were there was some kind of specialist the- um, interviewed about it as well I see and he said 12 weeks and the World Cup is in 10 weeks, I think. Especially when you've had as many injuries as Pogba has. It'll probably be hard for him to get back quickly, if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. How how do you know he had surgery on Tuesday? Do you have his hospital schedule or something? (laughs) No, because they uh, (laughs) they released a statement on Tuesday (laughs) night or something. Like um, Paul Paul had a successful surgery this this evening. Hmm. I thought Philip Kostic looked pretty dangerous as well. This was one of his better games for Juventus, I think. He was, he, it, was, um, it was probably one of his best games since arriving, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Um, he's not really been bad in, in the league, but in this game, he stood out more. They need Kiesa back just as soon as possible. Yeah, and I thought Di Maria looked great as well in the first game, but he's injured now as well. Yeah, they they do have quite a few injuries. Since we're talking about them anyway, why don't you give us the the lowdown on what happened against Fiorentina? Yeah, so basically, Juve played a good first half and created a bit. I I think they scored their goal in the first half as well. Um, But in the second half, they they kind of collapsed. Fiorentina ran the game, uh, and and Juve, I I think they didn't have a single shot on goal in the second half. Um, was kind of only playing against their goal, and they had to defend. And uh, and Fiorentina came close a couple times to scoring a winner. Um, so I think Juve is pleased with one point. Um. Seen to the circumstances, of course, they wouldn't be 
before the game, but um, yeah, honestly, it was kind of weird because they played a very solid first half, but then they just collapsed. I don't know why. Um, it, tends, it seems to be happening a lot, though. Yeah, um, but but as I said, I thought I thought that Paredes looked great in the first half. Um, in the second half, he as the entire team kind of fell off. But um, yeah, he looks he looks like a great signing for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we will watch the space then in terms of that. The Italian teams in the Champions League this week. Oh, sorry, I also missed another result because it was just tonight. Inter lost 2-0 to Bayern Munich. Um, but I haven't watched any of that game, so yeah. Yeah, I, I watched some of it. And from what I saw, you uh, Inter weren't even close to winning. Bayern were a better team. Mm, they're going to have a good time trying to get out of that group. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Leroy Sané was was great. Uh, he scored a great goal as well. He and he and Mane seems to find each other very well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if, if I, I wonder if Mane has is gonna now fire Bayern Munich to at least like a Champions League semi final. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird because you you know you know Mane was great from from his time in Liverpool, but it says something now about how good he really is that Bayern doesn't really seem to miss Lewandowski because of money. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And then they'll go up against each other as well. Yeah, I so think we it's uh, next week. Yeah, what? Next week? Yeah, I think so. Because this, uh, because they need to... Oh, because of the schedule. It's the schedule. Yeah, exactly. They need because to have the schedule done before the World Cup. It's relentless. Yeah. It's genuinely, it's too much. There's too much football. Too much. I mean, it's fun, but there's games. Wow. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Liverpool might actually collapse from the schedule. Hmm. I mean, at least there's um, there's after so after the next round of fixtures of, in terms of league and then Champions League, there is in the normal fixture again on the the Saturday. But then there's uh, an international break. Great, which is fr- frankly a little bit needed sometimes. Both yes and no. I mean, it's now now it's uh, just World Cup qualifiers, but there's been international breaks where there's been like um, na- two Nations League games and one friendly, and then yeah. it's like, I, I feel like in a this- season like this. The, the the players will get exhausted in in the winter, like now. There's still the the opening buzz of like oh there's the the uh, football's back and oh this player looks good and oh that team looks good. After like ten to fifteen games, sixteen games, when it gets cold, we're gonna see plenty of boring games, like plenty. Yeah. But anyway. Away from that sour note, we've talked at length about Champions League. Um, let's move on to Lazio and Napoli. Lazio 1, Napoli 2. What were yes. your thoughts on this, Max? Um, I, I thought it was um, an entertaining game. It um, super was, yeah. Yeah, and once again, uh, Kvaratskhelia stole, uh, stole the limelight. Uh, showing up. I mean... <laughs> He had kind of a moment there in the second half where he did the 
the helicopter trip. I I'm not sure what it's called in in English. The Maradona. Yeah, when you spin. You did, you did the Maradona. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, I, I, okay, I don't know what it's called. About, in, uh, okay, the helicopter spin. Yeah, that's what the, that what it's called in Swedish. At he, least. he did he did a helicopter with Maradona. Uh, he did a a helicopter with Maradona sitting in the helicopter. <laughs> yeah. And and Something hit like the that. post and that 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 was kind of a telling what kind of game he had because he ran riots uh, at the Olympico and yeah once again as as we've discussed before um, Napoli were a big threat from set pieces much to Kim uh, who scored a goal uh, I think it was his second now or is it his third. It might be his second. Yeah, but as but it, I think he's got like one disallowed or one's hit the post or something. But yeah. they look incredibly dangerous from set pieces. Yeah, they do. Um, but Kim's Kim's a mountain of a man. <laughs> he really is. I think I said this two weeks ago. I don't care. I'll say it again. He's a mountain of a man. Yeah, he, they they seem to be getting the set piece deliveries on point directly for his head. Um, yeah. and at that at that point they weren't really at at their best in the game. Lazio had. Lazio's pressing structure was really, really good against them in the first sort of 20 minutes. Yeah, and that's kind of um, um, a repeating uh, pattern this season, I think, for Lazio. I think their pressing has been really good. Excellent. Pretty much really good. every game. Really excellent. They, they just used um, Laboc as the, as, the, as the pressing trigger. They, they just like, they knew he was going to receive from the centre-backs and, 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 and pressed him. Yeah. So like uh, Felipe Anderson would sort of push a little bit further. Um, sorry, not not a little further. Drop a little bit back so he couldn't play the ball to Lazilinski. Um Immobile would then jump on the opposing centre back or whatever ball side the centre back was on, and um, Cataldi as well would would push up. Uh, but their pressing was was really really good until I think round about maybe Kim scored. Yeah, they kind of It was a pretty even game in the first half, and then in the second half, for I think around about twenty or twenty-five minutes, Napoli just overwhelmed them. Like they had three or four really good chances in a row, where um, Osimhen was bursting down the line, uh, and Guisa was bursting through midfield. Kavashkelia was just running rings around Lazio. They, I think he hit the post maybe yeah he or, did that was uh, the moment i talked about with the um, helicopter spin yeah yeah he, he did that he, uh, dribble and then he hit the post with a massive uh, shot from distance yeah the, the game got really really fun in the second half because then whenever napoli would have an attack create a big chance miss it lazio would try to go up the other end and just because it's a sari team um just immediately score uh, Osiman then hit the post as well before um, before Kovac Kelly scored to turn it around. Yeah. yeah overall, I think um, very entertaining game, and uh, I mean, seeing to ninety minutes, I think that Napoli deserved the win. No, of course, of course, yeah. Uh, but I'm really impressed by by Lazio this year. They they seem like they're improving. Yeah. Who um, we've got. Another big game next week. And Lazio is... don't, but I was just I was just taking a look at the fixtures. Oh wait, no, no, it's not next week. My bad. It's the week after. Never mind. Ignore me. Ignore me. Ignore me. Ah, oh, for fuck's sake! 
Aha, so I was correct. It it was it was Milan. It's, it's Milan Napoli next week, and that's just after Roma Atalanta. Are they doing this on purpose? It feels like they're doing this on purpose because they did this last year with the scheduling, where they just put the big games all in one bunch or on one day. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's clever. It's clever viewing because then you because Syria has the nighttime slot of the seven forty five, so nobody else. So you either have that a choice of that or like Real Madrid or Barcelona just smashing the crap out of a La Liga team. Yeah, listen, listen to Milan's schedule from from. Uh, I don't want to. I don't Sunday. want to. You, I don't yes, care. Yes, you have to. I don't care. I, I'm not you have to. I don't care. I don't care. Go on, man. Milan-Napoli, Empoli-Milan, Chelsea-Milan, Milan-Juventus, Milan-Chelsea. <laughs> and that's in the space of like how... But is there a, an international break sandwich in between that? Yeah. So it's Milan-Napoli, then it's an international break, then it's Empoli-Milan, Chelsea-Milan, Milan-Juventus, Milan-Chelsea. I think the tactically flexible teams are going to oh, thrive. Fuck in in the space of ten days. Excuse me, I was saying something. I didn't hear you. Okay, I was saying something. Speak louder. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> Speak up. Well, look before you rudely interrupt it. All I was going to say, I think that over the next six, seven, eight weeks. The tactic, the teams who can, who are tactically flexible already, will probably thrive the most. Like teams that don't need too much coaching every two, three days to be like, okay, we're changing this week to play. T-, if you know what I mean, teams who already know when to change in which game state at what point, because that's that's what it's going. Because there's just no time to coach. Anyway, go on. What were you gonna say? Oh yeah, in in the space of ten days, uh, Milan play. Chelsea twice, Juve once, and Empoli. That's Chelsea, like, that's, that's managerless Chelsea now as well. But won't they have an, a manager until October 5th? Yeah. I'm, I'm, well. I'm scared of Graham Potter at Chelsea, to be honest. Yeah, really my great. God, yeah, I know. Uh, the inclination from for now looks like that he'll He'll probably take it. Not yeah. probably take it, but there's ongoing contacts. He's definitely earned that move. I don't know if you saw the tweet I, I posted earlier, but it's kind of fun for me because he he managed Östersund in Sweden from the Swedish fourth. Yes, yes, tier. he managed Osterunds. Managed Osterunds. Yeah, uh, from the Swedish fourth tier to the... Yes, 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 yes. yes. So I followed him. Um, all... all Ever since then, uh, unless uh, why are you always the why are you always the guy to be like oh I followed him first you you're that guy you know who's like um, <laughs> you're that guy who shows everyone a song and then when it's it gets my really territory big, okay <laughs> and then when it gets it's really my big manager <laughs> and then, then when the when you know you're that guy who's like oh look at this song and then when it gets really big he's like oh remember I showed you this I showed you this song <laughs> but I'm I'm here for it go on. Don't, no, don't let me interrupt. I, I won't say it anymore. Oh, come on, come on. I really want to hear it. Come on. No, I, I basically said it all. I It's it's oh. it's just fun to see t- him taking over a, such a big club. Um, mm. If it happens, but I mean, I mean he, I here's, a, here's a different take for you. Do you think Bo- Boli sacked Tuchel with 
the inclination that he was going to make a beeline straight away for Potter. Yeah, maybe. Because, I mean, Graham Potter was very, very good last season and has been very good at Brighton, but he's, he was really, really blowing up this season within like the first four or five games and getting a lot of clout and a lot of coverage. Um, so maybe he had in mind to be like... I mean, also, you must have a target in mind at some point. You, you must have some replacements in mind before making the decision to sack him. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, but I, I don't think it was like the plan because otherwise he wouldn't sign, you know, Aubameyang, who was Tuchel's ask. Yeah, that's also the, the other thing where it's just they've spent a whole summer signing or trying to sign everybody they can in Europe for Tuchel whilst... <laughs> Plus also employing him as like this pseudo um, football director because they got rid of Marina Ganaskovia, the the previous director. Yeah. And then now they're like, okay, see you later. So, yeah. But anyway, we're, we're venturing into a lot of other territories of football yes. today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Milan Derby. Woo! Milan Derby. Great game. Great, great game. Excellent derby. Excellent derby. Possibly one of the best derbies I've watched since... It had everything. Yeah. Drama. I love the fights, spice, man. I love goals. the spice. Yeah. These guys don't like each other, and that's fun. And you know who likes, uh, dislikes everyone the most? Deon he just hates Interman. <laughs> but that's fun. That's what we like. Yeah. We need hate in these rivalries. But I think it starts from... It, it actually starts... Like, the, the handshake uh, is like the much-publicized video going around now. Yeah. Hakan doesn't shake Teo's hand. Teo then sort of, I think, clips him a little bit on the back, and then there's a little bit of exchange of words. And then Teo Hernandez and Dumfries smacked into each other in like the first five or six minutes. Yeah. But that comes from like the celebrations when I can't say in in, in Italy you'll, in Italian you'll have to repeat it. But Zlatan saying, "Do you have anything to say to Hakan?" Like directly to the Milan fans as they were celebrating. Go yeah. on, go on, say. It. Give us an Italian translation. Uh, I can't remember what he said. All he said was, "Do you have anything to say to Hakan?" Yeah. Well, go on then. You're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> come on, come on. Yeah, you, you speak Italian. Un misaggio a Hakan? Yeah, there we go. There we go. What are we so <laughs> nervous about? That was awesome. Um, but really, really fun derby. Inter opened the um, scoring. Uh, Lotaro Martinez did really, really well to like basically drag three defenders out with him. Uh, the, they all came thinking that they would steal the ball. As they were doing that, Brozovic ran through. Very easy goal for them in the end. Uh, they played it through. But then, soon as Inter went 1-0 up, felt like Milan just woke up. And then within the 60 minutes after that, sorry, 40 minutes after that, they just blitzed them. Hello? What did you say? Yeah, and that's... That's kind of been um, a trademark for Milan, I think, in the last few derbies. It's more or less been the same now for at least two or three derbies where where they considered the first goal, uh, but then turned it around. And I think it was 
a really good response this time as well. Um, they kind of they weren't bad before the goal, but it felt like it it was kind of um, gasoline for them, and mm. they they really didn't want to lose this this game. Um, and I think, as you you mentioned earlier, that it the since Hakan Chalanoglu left Milan for Inter, everything's been so much more personal, at least for the teams. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think both of the teams want to win, but maybe most of all Milan, because I think they, they are more hurt about it and care more about it than Inter do, even though, you know, Chak, uh, Hakan loves to kind of um, get, get uh, emotions going. But I, I think that basically since everything of that happened, the the derby has become so much more personal to me. And I think that kind of raised their level um, because they really didn't want to lose. And that they didn't do. Yeah. Um, when they hit back and they hit back with force, there was this thing like Tonali, I think, was awesome, but he was just everywhere. He was all over the pitch. He was deep. He was an extra man in midfield. He was an extra man in attack. If they would work the ball on the wing, Te Hernandez would uh, become an inverted fullback and Tonali would stretch wide, like help out, positionally rotate. Um, but the way to, like Rafa Leao finished his goals in the derby and the way Milan came by, it was like a team that has the energy and the nous of like, okay, we're well, one down. It's, it's fine. We'll, we'll just come back. Um, yeah. And, and that's what like winning a Scudetto does, I think. Yeah. And I, I can't put my finger on when it happened, but it felt like that last season as well. Yeah. Apart from, I think it, oh, I mean, I think it happened when they came back to win two one in the Derby last season. Yeah, so, like a little bit unexpectedly, I've been like actually believe like we can do this now. Yeah, and I feel like um, there are plenty of players, uh, you know, Leao, Tonali, Giroud, who step up in the big games now for Milan. They they kind of thrive from it, um, and they show that now as well. Mm, yeah, um, I, I felt like. Early on, what was happening, and it, that's what resulted in the first goal, Correa and Lotoro Martinez were dropping for the ball. Obviously, Correa was playing because Lukaku was injured. Um, after that, the that had sort of stopped, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, they... Simeone Inzaghi started them um, in the Derby Inter 1 in the Coppa Italia last season and I think he kind of saw that as a, a receipt for success and, and went with it now as well um, but uh, yeah uh, as you can see for the first goal it, it worked and uh, I thought that uh, they, they looked good together um, but then after the first goal and when Milan equalized, Milan kind of took over the game for the rest of the first half and and the and the beginning of the the second half. So Inter didn't really have much to work with. Um, the very least, uh, the passing, the passing for out from the back was very poor. 
yeah. and you take that in combination with Milan pressing like in the way they were. They they pressed very intensely. But if you have a few situations where you pass out from the back, it doesn't work. The other team presses and causes a turnover when they do that. That's when you know teams get nervous. Not teams get nervous, but in a derby, it can swing the game in favor of 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 the team, and that's what it did. Yeah, yeah, fully agree. Um, but if if we just look at it from the from a more general perspective, I think they complement each other very well, uh, Lautaro and Korea. Um, Lautaro is like more running deep, and and uh, Korea could be more more a bit of a of a how should you say um roaming target man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so yeah, they they complement each other very well, and they they seem to get on well on the pitch as well. Extremely well. Um, yeah, I, I think that Tonali's switching or constantly just being all over the pitch really helped Milan get to three-one, uh, and also just Raphaelio, the way he took his two goals, um, just reeks of a player who knows how good he is now. He yeah. believes his own hype, and he is that confident. Um, Inter were probably better off in the game when they made changes when Zeko came on. Yeah, he. I think Zeko and Zeko came on, Darmian came on, and Mkhitaryan came on, and surprisingly, um, it was Darmian's side where they they looked a lot more um, likely to score. Like they, they, I think they just started using wing play more, using their wing backs basically to sp- stretch the press, stretch the press, what stretch the, <laughs> stretch the pitch. And just put crosses in, and that's basically that's how they got it. Got back in the game as well. Yes. Um. And then they they attacked for the like the next fifteen minutes. And Mike Magnon was then was then uh, really really good. Yes. I think they. I think into. I think Milan moved to a back five at the end as well, to to like quell this. I think they did. Yeah. Um, no, no. I think it was a back four because uh, Kalulu went out to no. Yeah. I think it might have been yeah. a back five very, very briefly, but just because he knew, like, oh, it's a derby, they're pressing, because um, Milan were excellent for most of the game and deserved to win for sure. But um, Inzaghi, with his changes, got into back in the game and then I think could have sneaked an equaliser towards the end. I think there was that one shot from Mkhitaryan at the end where I was like, oh, God, and it almost went in. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But um, I, I spoke to my... To my friend, most interesti probably know him. Um, most, most who? Most interesti. Most interesting. Interesti. No, most interesti. Let me look him up. Most interesti. Are Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Why? Most interesti, as in most inter supporters. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> it's very late. It's very late. <laughs> it's almost one o'clock. <laughs> oh, this is priceless. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. Let me look him up. <laughs> please, please say you started googling or something, dude. I, I on on my Twitter search bar, I typed in most space interesting thinking like a. A big inter account would come up. Oh, yeah, it did not. This was brilliant. It did not. Anyway, go on. Yeah. Uh, 
so most Inter supporters probably know him. Uh, Sia, his name is. Um, he said it. Uh, he said it very well that um, Insagi did the right subs, but he did it when the damage was already done. Um, so if he had done mm, the, probably too late. Yeah. Yeah, if he'd done it, probably at least after the second goal of Milan, they they would have a better shot at at, at least getting one point. Uh, but now he did the the subs when it was three one. So I I think yeah they got one back quickly. I think Jake was basically scored scored with his first touch. But uh, yeah, the damage was already done. Yeah, they they lost the derby in the end, but they they showed some fight at the end. So so I think let's let's see what happens. It's um. We've got one more point to do the inevitable Jose Mourinho and Udinese. Udinese 4, Roma 0. Um, what did you make of this? Yeah, it was um, basically a punch in the stomach for, for Roma. Uh, they, they opened this season very well. Um, winning, I think, 4 out of 5. Something like that. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, they. I think they didn't know what was, what they were expecting from from Udinese because they, they. They played smart, I would say, dirty and smart because they they knew Roma was, coming there to play, football, but they kind of used that against them uh, they were very effective on counters and uh, very physical and yeah they, they kind of made it hard for Roma to to play the way they wanted to play um, yeah it's um they, they were really solid I, yeah. I know Dybala was creating a couple of chances but Udinese were really solid and then the first cha- um, goal by Udalge 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 Back again. The first, the first goal from Yudogi is a mistake by Karlsdorp. Then the second goal from Samaditz is a mistake from Rui Patricio. Yeah. And then from there, like you have you know, Roma chasing the game. Um, he used two subs at halftime. Bilotti came on. Zeki Sela came on. Zalawiski came on directly after, um, almost 10, 10 minutes after the second Odinese goal. So he was kind of throwing caution to the wind. And in that, they... Udinese were devastatingly good for those last two goals. Those last two goals were really good counter-attacking goals. Yeah, in the first half they were main, they were kind of um, reactive uh, from, yeah. from what Roma did, but in the in the in the second half they kind of took took charge. Um, Roma had a period where they kind of um, were close to uh, to an equalizer, but um, then. In the middle of that, um, Denise scores their second, and from there it's basically game over. Yeah, Mourinho said it kind of well after afterwards that if you let one one go to Udinese, it would be tough. But if you count that two goals uh, be scored, it's game over. Yeah, the stadium was buzzing at that point as well. 
Yeah, I think Mourinho kind of kind of has a point that um, Udinese is one of those teams where you just can't concede first because it will be so tough to get one back. I think that actually it goes for most of the teams that play a mid to low block in Serie. A. Mm. If they like, if they concede first, as in the like the the seven sisters. If a seven sisters concedes first against a, a Salernitana or um, I don't know um, a Spezia now because they have got Luca uh, Luca Gotti uh, or. You know, an, an empty to some degree as well. It's really, really hard. Like they, they spend the, the rest of the majority of the game trying to claw their way back, back in front. Yeah, but as you say, they it's it's very tough because because most most of those teams playing lower mid block are very good defending. Um, they might not be be the best. Offensively, but at least they they know how to defend well. Yeah, Romani had two shots on target. Yeah. yeah, and I think at least one of those uh, were the ball like in in the first minutes of yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you think of of Roma in this game then? Um, kind of sloppy. I think um, it it felt like they underestimated Udinese a bit. Um, I don't think anybody expected them to drop points like that. No, and and Roma kind of had a great start to the season and had momentum, but they kind of underestimated uh, how tough it would be going to the Frioli. Um, he was he was surprisingly cordial in his press conferences, like you know you know what I mean. He's normally quite there's normally a one liner or he's blaming someone or he's irritated. In yeah. this one, he just sort of tuck it on the chin and was like, look. They've got good physical players. Um, you know, we, we didn't, we weren't good enough. Move on. There's the next one. There's another training session. Yeah. I'd rather lose one game 4 nil than four games 1-0, one, one that's for sure. Um, tomorrow's, yeah, we, we move on, is what he said. So. Yeah. And he he also said that, um, that you know, um, we, we we probably could have, could have had a penalty, but when yeah. you lose this much, it's not. It's not the referee's fault. It's our own. And you know, you'd you'd expect Mourinho to kind of <laughs> uh, zoom in on that situation usually, but now he was just like accepted defeat and was kind of humble about it. Interesting things. We'll see how Roma gets on. Anyway, that that was plenty packed in for. Episode four of this um, ADR culture for breakingthelines.com. Go ahead, follow us on Twitter. Um, tell your friends about it on Spotify, Acast, Anchor, whatever the hell you're listening to. Um, thank you very much for joining me and Max. We will do, I'm thinking now, because I've just remembered, we'll do Arsehole and Go of the Week next week, uh, part two special edition. So we'll have two Arseholes and two Goats, just because there was so much rammed in for today. It's it's very late and, and me and Max are sick yeah. of talking to each other. Nah, nah. Just joking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. So Max is going to get some rest. No, no but I'm it's two in the morning here. Try and have a few paracetamol and we will see you again next week. Will do.